재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 There's a big risk, but at the same time, it's one of those things where if you don't do it, you're going to spend the rest of your life wondering what would have happened. So, of course, I had to do it. The expression, home is where the heart is, came to mind. I'm already settled down here because, you know, my family's here. Welcome back. Well, a lot of interesting and prominent expats make their homes here in Korea. And every week around this time, we ask them, why? Why Korea? What brought you here? What dreams are you chasing? And what makes you stay? Actually, the person who goes out and asks that question is our team member, GP1. And he usually comes back with some interesting clips. And we talk about these interesting expats. Today's expat, a corporate leader. GP, how you doing? I'm good. How are you in a T-shirt right now? It is well. I was just telling Michelle Kong, um, the indoor spaces in Korea are really heated. I mean, this is <laughs> this is uh, you know kind of warm. You know as well as I do that the office space we work in is oh, yeah. uh, like a blast furnace. It does get, but we're we're in the studio right now, and I'm just like amazed because I'm here in a down jacket. And uh, Kurt, you 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 rough man, you. Ah, uh, yes, it's that uh, hardy New England stock. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm a, a, a winter type. I run. I run hot. So, um, who are we hearing about this week? Well, we're hearing from. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Karen Schrader in just a moment. She's our featured voice on this edition, and uh, the segment asks, you know, why here? But it's very rare that we get to ask the chance, like, not only like we get to ask why are you here, but also. Hey, why is your company here? Sure. Right. It's pretty obvious generally when they work for a university or they work uh, as a, a business owner. You know, this is where they want to do their thing. But they're usually startups and things like that. She works for the Kimberly Clark Corporation. Okay. And um, what, what does the Kimberly Clark Corporation do? Uh, they actually, uh, you might not be familiar with them if you're in Korea because they operate under a different brand name here. Okay. Um, Yuhan Kimberly is their Korean. Yeah, um, I've heard that. Yeah. But in America where uh, I think their headquarters actually their their headquarters based in america in just about any public restroom or any um restroom like a restaurant a restaurant a bathroom right you'll see like these paper towel dispensers and uh, the ah. soap dispensers hand dryers i see they make everything that you could possibly ever need for uh those kind of facilities and also they make a uh, various like baby products and things that's actually what uh karen does okay and they've invested in a global innovation center in Gyeonggi-do, which uh, Karen is the boss of. So let's actually hear from her now. I'm Karen Schrader. I'm a, actually a metallurgical and um, material science engineer by trade. Uh, but right now, my job in our company is as a senior manager of a research and engineering department. We make lots of baby stuff, even though most of my team members probably half and half do and don't have babies. Um, so it's kind of a fun venture. I've been here in Korea now four years, but I moved with my company. So I've worked at my company for about 15 years. And then um, the last four have been starting up this innovation center here in Korea. And this was part of our first global innovation center expansion outside of the U.S. And my husband and I actually both were lucky enough to come here together and start up that center as, as engineers and product developers. 
Global Innovation Center. That's uh, that's where she works. Kurt, what do you think of when we say Global Innovation Center? Uh, it sounds like something the Korean government would have come up with. Um, they're coming up with these hubs and innovation centers. And in fact, in the news feed today, I talked about uh, how they're going to spend $66 billion on a Silicon Valley-like innovation center down in Pangyo. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, it's, a, it's a buzzword. The, yeah, and that's exactly it. It's a buzzword. Usually when there is a buzzword, you, you kind of dismiss it. You're like, well, whatever. What does that mean? It's just open to interpretation. You know, um, so that's what I was expecting. Usually, the more grandiose a facility's name is, uh, in the end, personally, the more disappointed I am when I actually find out what goes on <laughs> okay. there. You know, that's kind of a thing, right? Uh, so, Karen and her husband Eric, uh, they both came. I actually got to meet Eric um, when I went over there to uh, Bundang, where they lived. Uh, they came here to get the center going, and they're proud to say it's up and running and expanding rapidly. Let's actually hear uh, what they do there at the center. Our company has sales of products in, I think, over 175 countries, and we manufacture in about 37 of those. But each of our countries kind of owns their own business. But not everybody has their own R&D group. So that's where my team steps in, because it would be impossible to have 175 different R&D folks around the world doing that job. So my team is sitting here in Asia, closer to many of our growing consumer bases, like in China and India, Southeast Asia, and even Africa, that we can be on their time zone. We can be real time. We can give them the help they need. And it's our team's job to help them do that research and engineering for their product development. We kind of link in with the innovation to get it spread out quicker to everybody, but we also then help in new developing markets. So if some country hasn't ever sold a product of a certain type before, our team can help recommend what's that best product based on their consumer usage habit or based on their market condition and their price pointing and everything. It's much easier to have the central team offer that support than some poor person by themselves sitting in India trying to make these decisions without having a good basis of knowledge. So that's where our team steps in. Interesting. You know, Korea as a base or regional office, uh, with the possible exception of maybe Singapore or Hong Kong, it's hard to get the, the convenience and the logistics that you can get here for running a business, as well as the proximity to the regions you're trying to target. Yeah, so I actually asked her about uh, that thing. I was like, well, well why Korea? And we'll get to that in a second. Um, she said she does marketing strategies. She helps with uh, um, other companies or other countries trying to get off the ground in terms of these products, right, these uh, baby products. And so essentially they're the regional office for this continent. I think she would agree with that statement. They mm. do research and development. Sounds like actual innovation. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you say so, uh, I, I'm not. I'm going to take you at your word. Um, it's hard for me. Uh, I guess they're innovating in the space of business processes because you talked about uh, well, well, and baby products. That's where you can really innovate. But, yes. Uh, I mean, bathroom hygiene supplies. There's not a heck of a lot of um, uh, of development to be done there. Those are pretty much sussed out. But when it comes to new baby products and new business processes, that's probably where they're focusing their their innovation uh, concentrations on. Yeah, and what in terms of what uh, Karen does, I would agree with that. But, you know, you can always get greener, which is, you know, you're not reinventing the wheel with uh, bathroom products, but you can always get greener, mm. more sustainable, less energy consumption. I think that's where people are going with that. And it's interesting that she says uh, she's here to help other, you know, branches of her corporation get off the ground in other countries. You know, I, I find that local um, companies here, like the big uh, conglomerates here in Korea, when they go abroad, they have this, like, 
crazy spam strategy where it's like, oh, let's make this product in every screen size from three and a half Hmm. to 22. Hmm. And um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. There's not that same shotgun approach. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Okay. So all that sounds perfectly logical. The question is though, why here? Why in Korea? Why is the Global Innovation Center not in an English speaking country like Hong Kong or Singapore, you said, or even in a country where the birth rate is higher, like China? Mm Mm-hmm. In Korea for itself, I think the market growth is a little different because the infant birth rate is actually declining. So we aren't seeing the quick growth that I think we're going to see in somewhere like China, where they just passed the two-baby rule. So right now we're kind of all on the like, oh my gosh, freaking out, China is going to explode. So in the terms of like, it's hard to compare a Korea or Japan whose infant birth rate isn't so high, but you compare that to something like... Indonesia or China and it's going crazy so that's really where the plus of being here is our Korean product base and and our brand in this country are very strong so being able to take some of those good technologies or good um, science and being able to help export that out to the rest of the world quickly is a really good advantage for us to be here and the other cool thing about Korea is the market is highly online we don't have that necessarily everywhere else in the world. So for us as a company, it's been very interesting to understand that online purchase behavior. And I'll be honest, it can't necessarily be replicated everywhere because the delivery system in Korea is awesome, right? You can order something and sometimes it's there that evening or the next day. That's not going to be replicated in the world. So maybe it will be different in some places, but it's still a really interesting dynamic for us as like researchers to understand. Yeah, again, it's the it's the logistics. Yeah. Yeah. I never considered that. Like, yeah, the, she does what she does. She experiments with the online shopping here, and uh, it's a totally different game than it would be in the West, right? Yeah. yeah. You can have things here immediately, and I was thinking, what possibilities does that open up? And I realized that I'm less hesitant to buy things online in Korea than I would be in America, especially mm-hmm. consumables. Uh, people in America don't seem to buy things like uh, diapers or groceries as often online. They usually want to go and they want to see the product in person, mm-hmm. and then they might go and buy online, but still, you know, it's, it's a lot of time to do all those things. And uh, she says they're expanding. Every single American company that has um, uh, any power nowadays is pretty much out there looking for different markets. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're electronics, if you're baby products. You know, there's just not that much growth in the West anymore. People are looking into Western and Southeast Asia. And I guess Korea is a great jumping off point for that, especially if uh, those markets end up developing the way the Korean market did, especially with the infrastructure. And I don't see why not because these other Korean companies are also investing in places like Vietnam. When I went there, I saw um, a lot of Korean bakeries that you see all over the corners here. And I was like, wow, I wanted to kind of get away from this, but it's interesting. Vietnam's you know? a cool atmosphere. I got a friend down there. It's like a little, in some ways, a mini China uh, with the kind of uh, economic rapid development that they're going through and the entrepreneurship that's happening down there. Interesting, I, when she said she was, they were freaking out about China. Because <laughs> <laughs> China's going to explode. They just passed the two baby rule for, you know, there was the one child rule to keep the population under control for so long. And now you can have another one. So that means uh, China's going to buy products. up a heck of a lot of products from uh, this company. Presumably. Uh, So she gave me a specific example of how working in Korea has opened up new possibilities for her. And I think it touches more upon why she personally enjoys being here. 
Before I moved here, I worked for 10 years in North America, primarily the U.S., and I, I loved my job then. I didn't know what I was missing, okay? So I loved my job, and what I learned is that so much of the innovation and so much of what I was doing was being controlled by big retailers, and they almost have the decision of if we launch something or not by if they'll sell it for us and if they'll sell it at the price point that we want and if we'll get the shelf space for a new idea. So they're controlling so much of what goes out. When you look at the global landscape, it's a little different because some countries don't have that barrier, right? The barriers are different. It's not that they don't exist, but they're more willing to take a risk on innovation. They can maybe work through the system different. Like Korea can sell stuff online without having to worry about necessarily having shelf space on, in a store. So there's a lot more creative nature that comes when you get to open the global marketplace. And I haven't been bored in this job. You know, one day we're working on something for India, a brand new launch and a new product and, you know, trying to start up something that we can gain business and have people that have never wore a diaper before get to have that cleanliness in their home. So it's a huge difference, right? And then the next day we're working on something for Africa or the next day we're working on something for China or Australia. So I just haven't been bored and I don't feel as controlled as I felt working in the North American business where so much of it is based on just purely the big box retailers big box retailers how, you know how much shelf space can i get in big box retailer a or b and uh where can my product get placed that, that you know i i spent a little time working for a, a korean food company that was trying to expand into the usa doing marketing and stuff with them and that was what it was all about who can which uh regional vice president of the big box companies can we woo and convince to take on our product you know Wow, it doesn't seem like uh, you would have been very patient with that kind of uh, that kind of business. Correct? Yeah, well, it was just for uh, you know a, a contract period, but and, and it was fun. That's they're, they're starting to take off, but yeah, in the USA, uh, those big box retailers basically own the game. Yeah, it seems super obvious when you say it, but until you say it, you know, like people don't realize it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why you go to different places where the rules are different. Uh, you got to go to places where things are in your favor. That's kind of a part of why craft beers are just taking off now. The regulations just recently changed here in Korea, so craft brewing is a thing. Mm. But let's not pretend that uh, it's all good if you move abroad. She says they're bear, they're bears everywhere. They're just different. If you're a multinational entity like her corporation is, I'm sure it's a lot more. Uh, it's a lot easier to work with the government. Uh, but it's hard to get any leeway, especially if you're not a citizen. If you're just a regular person with a dream, you know, you might not get that. So you might get a a, a nice big market, but if you can't break into it, then. Yeah, it kinda, helps to have a big uh, multinational name brand behind you to fill billion dollars. Maybe just rhino through those <laughs> barriers rather than uh, trying to do it as a small or or mid level company. Indeed. So now we know why her company opened up shop here in Korea. Let's find out why she came along for the ride. She kind of touched upon it at the end of that last clip there. Making a big choice like this was. Uh was a big step for our company and I was on the lucky recipient because my husband and I were at a time in our lives where we realized we liked working globally. We had done work in Asia. We had, you know, met people from Korea and China and everything and we were like, you know, the best time when we're having the most fun at work, it's when we're working globally like this. So we said we want to find something that we can do that 
is like that. And why not do that every day? <laughs> so why not try to find something overseas? And we just got extremely lucky that this innovation center was opening at the right time. We both applied and, and got jobs here. So very lucky out of the four uh, Americans that they chose to move here. My husband and I were two of them. Working globally, you know, it's a, it's a revolving door of new experiences. Uh, what's been the draw about working globally for you, Kurt? Um, I think I'm, you, you get kind of addicted to displacement after a while, you know, being in a completely different terrain and landscape and the, the language is different, the food is different. and You almost count on it. You, yeah, you're kind of on your toes and it's almost like a little bit of a, a game uh, to figure out uh, what you might be doing wrong or how you can improve things and, uh, you know, something to wrap your head around. Whereas I find uh, the daily grind in, in the USA uh, – it can be a little bit at times boring, um, but uh, I, I just, in, in my particular idiom, I kind of like uh, experiencing new language, new culture, that kind of stuff. Indeed. Uh, let's hear what uh, Karen has to say for her fellow expats before we run out of time here. Mm-hmm. No matter what you're doing, if you're not happy, then you have to keep on looking. I would say overall, just in Korea, one of the things I found was it is hard to find and make friends. And so... I felt like unlike other places I've lived, I mean, I've lived in other cities in the U.S. or whatever, it it was easier to find friends than it was here. So I really had to try hard. Even though I'm a social person, I still had to go out and like try to say hi to people and meet people. And, And that's like one thing that I didn't expect living here that was so important to have friends and, you know, and have someone else to talk to about your day and about your week and where you're going in life and and the cool people that you meet here from all different countries and everything. I mean, some of the coolest parties I've been to were here because the food is delicious. Everybody brings their favorite home-cooked dish from Iran or from Russia or from South Africa, and you all get together and eat it, and it's awesome. I mean, so it's just really important, I think, for your balance of not always thinking about work but also having that multicultural experience that you can get here and maybe not as easy somewhere else karen schroeder an interesting person in an interesting job gp thanks for bringing her into us absolutely my pleasure all right we'll see you next week and that'll close up koreascape for this tuesday edition our show is produced by christina so gp next to me here and jamie lee are our writers i'm kurt asian local eats tomorrow we get to try hongo Ooh, ooh you want to hear that stay warm we'll see you tomorrow